daily news and analysis. We keep you informed and inspired. This is World Today. Hello and welcome to World Today. I'm Ding Han in Beijing. Coming up, we will explore the potentials for cooperation between China and Vietnam as President Xi Jinping makes a two-day state visit to the Southeast Asian country. Hong Kong has held its first district council election since the restructuring of the city council's system. Egyptians are going to polls in a presidential election overshadowed by the war in Gaza, and nearly half of the American voters think that their president Joe Biden is spending just too much on Ukraine aid, according to a new poll. So, to listen to this episode again or to catch up on our previous episodes. Download our podcast by searching "World Today." Our top story for the hour: Chinese President Xi Jinping is paying a state visit to Vietnam this week. His trip is coinciding with the 15th anniversary of the establishment of a comprehensive strategic partnership between the two countries. Xi Jinping previously traveled to Vietnam as China's top leader. Uh, respectively, in 2015 and 2017, China, for your information, is currently Vietnam's biggest trading partner as well as second biggest export market. So, joining us now on the line is Professor Song Qingren from the School of Asian Studies, Beijing Foreign Studies University. Thank you very much for joining us, Professor Song.、Mm, hello. So, first of all. In your observation of the bilateral relationship over the past、uh, few decades or so, what do you think this particular 15-year comprehensive strategic partnership has brought to China or to Vietnam, respectively, or to the overall to the overall ties?、Uh, we know that uh, uh, China and Vietnam are friendly and neighbors connected by mountains and rivers. Uh, this year is the 15th anniversary of the establishment of a comprehensive、uh, strategic partnership between the two countries.、Uh, over the past 15 years, the two countries have conducted extensive cooperation in politics, economy, culture, security, and other many spheres,、uh, achieving fruitful results.、Uh, in terms、uh, in terms of politics. Both countries prioritize China-Vietnam relations as their respective foreign policies, actively extending experiences in party building and uh, uh, country governance, and coordinating and cooperating in international and regional affairs.、Uh, the leaders of the two countries, of China and Vietnam,、uh, often come and go like relatives. Uh, fully demonstrating the high-level and special nature of China-Vietnam relations.、Uh, in recent years,、uh, China-Vietnam economic and trade cooperation has continuously achieved new results, and demonstrating the enormous resilience and development potential of the bilateral economic and trade relations. China has been、uh, Vietnam's largest trading partner for.、Uh, Sixteen consecutive years,、wow. and Vietnam is China's largest trading partner in ASEAN and the fourth largest trading partner in the world.、Uh, China is one of the important sources of FDI、uh, in Vietnam. According to、uh, Vietnamese stati- statistics, in the first eight months of this year,、uh, as of August twenty,、uh, uh, China has、uh, invested. Uh, 2.69 billion U.S. dollars in Vietnam,、mm, mm. Uh, ranking second in terms of incremental foreign investment among Vietnam's uh, uh, FDI mm. Uh, South countries, mm. with so, a year-on-year increase of、uh, 90.8 percent.、Yeah. Both sides are also intensifying cooperation on key projects.、Uh, moreover, close. Several exchanges continue to tighten the, the emotional bonds between two, two peoples.、Uh, in the first ten months of this year, the number of Chinese tourists to Vietnam、uh, exceeded to exceeded 1.3、uh, million. 
uh, in the academic year uh, 2021-2022。There are uh, uh, 27,000Vietnamese students studying in China。So,talking more about trades with you,Professor,why do you think it is the case that among the ASEAN countries,Vietnam is China's biggest trading partner,and going forward,uh, in what fields or what areas do you think the two sides could further explore more opportunities for trade? Uh, the two countries are uh, in different stages of economic development, which uh, determines that uh, their economic and trade cooperation has unique complementary advantages uh, with complementary really far exceeding competitiveness. According to China, Chinese statistics, the trade volume between China and Vietnam reached uh, 230.2 billion dollars in 2021, a year-on-year increase of 19.7%. Uh, in 2000, uh, 2022, the bilateral trade volume between China and Vietnam reached uh, 234.2%. 92 billion US dollars, a year-on-year increase of uh, 2.1%. Uh, in the first 11 months of this year, the bilateral trade volume reached 206.33 billion US dollars. Uh, against the backdrop of a global economic trade downturn, it is not easy for the trade volume between the two countries to exceed 200 billion US dollars for three consecutive years. Uh, the two countries have continuously uh, strengthened economic, trade, and investment cooperation, achieved uh, complementary advantage, uh, advantages in trade structure, and jointly built a stable, a smooth industrial and supply chain system, achieving significant results. Uh, against the backdrop of increasing global economic instability and uncertainty, the stable development of China-Vietnam relations and the continuous expansion of economic and trade cooperation not only benefits the development of an improvement of people's lives of both countries, but also have an important mm-hmm. positive impact on the development and the prosperity of the region and even the world. Yeah. I think in the future, China and Vietnam have enormous uh, trade development potential in fields such as fruits, agricultural products, electronic products, and textile products, and so on. Mm, Yeah, I guess uh, durians uh, from Vietnam are becoming a new favor for Chinese consumers. That's pretty interesting. So, like you mentioned, Professor, China is also a major source of foreign direct investment into Vietnam, and some people... Uh, like you suggested earlier, say they say that economic ties between the two sides have really evolved from a simple simple trade pattern to a higher level of cooperation related to supply chain issues. So I guess um, here we have another question for multinationals, which have say manufacturing facilities in both China and Vietnam. To what extent? Do you think uh, they would depend on supply chain cooperation between China and Vietnam in order to maintain their international business competitiveness? Yeah. Uh, since uh, 2018, China's, Chinese companies have significantly accelerated their investment in Vietnam. According to statistics from the Vietnam, China has invested in Vietnam uh, over $20 billion totally uh, in the past years, ranking the sixth, sixth among all countries and regions that have invested in, the, in Vietnam. Moreover, uh, the China pivoting and Vietnam industrial and supply chains, uh, tra- chains are deeply connected and have stable cooperation. According to the 2021 data released by the, uh, the Chinese customers, uh, China is the largest supplier of intermediate products of Vietnam, accounting for uh, 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 41.5% uh, of Vietnam's total imports. Uh, in 
in the 2021 inter, uh, in the interview with the Western media in 2021, Chinese ambassador to Vietnam, Xiong uh, Bo, stated that about one-third of Vietnam's electronic components and about half of its textile raw materials are imported from China. These mm. Chinese products have played an important role in supporting Vietnam's electronics and textile industries mm. in exporting to markets such as Europe and America. Mm. Uh, overall, observation shows that in recent years, China-Vietnam economic trade cooperation has yielded fruitful results. And both China and Vietnam are important countries in the region and the world. China mm. is the largest economy in Asia and the second largest economy in the world, playing an important role in global development and governance uh, mm. uh, landscape. Vietnam is an important member of ASEAN with rapid economic development and continuously increasing international influence. Yeah. In recent years, China and Vietnam have promoted the docking of development strategies between the two countries, continuously strengthened economic, trade, and investment cooperation, yeah. achieved complementary advantages in trade, as, and, uh, and also jointly built a stable and smooth industrial and supply chain system. Yeah. The above-mentioned cooperation between the two countries are, has achieved significant results. Uh, so it's important for uh, China-Vietnam uh, development and also important for regional and world-world developments. Mm. So, Professor, we still have about like two minutes before we need to wrap up this discussion with you today. I mean, from a bigger picture sense, uh, earlier this year, in, in September, I guess, U.S. President Joe Biden paid a visit to Vietnam. It's uh, It was a one-day trip. And the two sides are reportedly discussing a, a a potential or possible arms deal. So, do you think the U.S. will have any impact on the relations between China and Vietnam? Yeah, recently the relationship between the U.S. and Vietnam has developed rapidly, and the cooperation between the two countries uh, has become more and more. China and Vietnam are friendly neighbors, connected by mountain rivers, and both are. Socialist countries. Uh, the two countries have established a comprehensive strategic partnership for 15 years, and both countries pro- uh, authorize uh, China Vietnam relations in their respective policies. Uh, uh, at the present, the, uh, at the present, uh, all from, the people from various sectors in Vietnam are for our expectations for Chinese President Xi Jinping's visit. This visit will inject strong impetus into the improvement and upgrading of China-Vietnam relations. Both sides will explore and enhance their new positioning of China-Vietnam relations. So I think uh, uh, the continued close relationship between the two U.S. and Vietnam will have a certain impact on China-Vietnam relations, but uh, it will not fundamentally affect the long-term friendly cooperation between China-Vietnam. Okay. Thank you very much for joining us. That was Professor Song Qingren joining us from the School of Asian Studies with Beijing Foreign Studies University. You are listening to World Today. Stay tuned. Hello, my name is Alessandro Golombievski Teixeira. I'm a professor of public policy and management at Tsinghua University in Beijing. I am a great listener of the world today. In my opinion, The World Today is one of the best China radio programs. In The World Today, we can get the best news and analysis in what is happening now in the world. So please, come to join us. You are listening to World Today. I'm Ding Hanin Beijing. China's consumer and factory prices fell in November, mainly due to lower commodity prices. Despite Western media hype that sees the readings as evidence of trouble for the Chinese economy, some Chinese economists actually say this particular outlook remains optimistic because more supportive policies are taking effect and prompting further recovery, especially in consumption. In the first three quarters of 2023, consumption contributed to some 83% of economic expansion in China. So for more on this, my colleague Zhao Yang earlier spoke with Chen Jiahe, Chief Investment Officer with Novan Aki Technologies. 
So, Jaha, first of all, how do you view the latest CPI and PPI figures? What does this tell us about China's economy? Well, if if we look at the CPI figure in the latest months, which is November, it has been dropping by 0.5 percent. So that's basically caused by both the food price, which is a core com, uh, com, component of China's CPI, as well as the global energy price, which has been dropping recent months. You know, the oil price stuff like that. Uh, it's it, it's it's not a very large uh, degree of decreasing, and I think the central bank of China has actually noticed this. If you read the latest policies of the central bank, it kept on saying. It will, you know, support the economy and uh, give the economy enough liquidity. So, you know, this CPI, I don't think this CPI will last very long in this uh, negative ter- territory. Another reason for the price to be slightly lower than last year is because the real estate market is uh, currently pretty cool. Uh, directed by the government, because you know, if you look at the property uh, price in China, it has actually got a bubble about a few years ago. So China has actively trying to sort this problem out, and we have uh, had a reducing in the property investment. But when you look at the global history, economic history, you can see that every time when you have a cooling real estate market, you won't have a inflation rate that that's coming afterward. If you have an inflation and you have a cooling property market, that's a much bigger problem because that means you printed too much money in the economy and that will be super inflation. So that's definitely not something that we want. Mm. And for China's economy, how do you interpret the message, the signals, and priorities sent from the political bureau meeting last Friday in terms of how China's policymakers will support the economic growth in the year 2024? You can actually read a lot of、uh, messages from this recent、uh, policy. It aims at developing the economy, but not just the GDP growth figure.、Uh, so currently, we say, okay, we want growth, but we want a growth that is smooth, sustainable. Sustainable and environmental friendly. So you can see a lot of things emphasize on these things. For example,、uh, the the government is still trying to tackle the real estate、uh, market. It does not want the price to go too high, and it does not want the market to be too cold、uh, to drag the economic growth down. So it's 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 a very difficult task if you know the relation between property market and the economy. And it has actually emphasized a lot on the financial stability because China has actually learned.、Uh, A very large lesson from the, you know the 2008 global financial crisis, which was a decade and a half ago. You know that was devastating to the Western economies. So we actually learned from that. So we kept on saying that we don't want another financial crisis coming afterward.、Um, and there is also a lot of emphasis on sustainable growth and environmental protection, which is a key of China's economic policy in recent years.、Mm-hmm. And the meeting said China should strengthen the countercyclical and cross-cyclical. Adjustment of the、uh, macro policies next year. So, what might this mean for the policy mix going forward? That's I think that's actually pointing to、uh, many aspects, but one of the most important aspect is、uh, real estate cycle. So we want to go through this real estate cycle, which as I as I said before, that we don't want the property price to go up to a level that is too much a bubble,、uh, and we don't want the price to plunge because that will also mean a, a lot of pressure on the economy. So you have to direct the policy to go through all this cycle, and that also includes the cycle like、um, you know inflation cycle. Stuff like that. So, if you look at the global policy making in the past, you know, a few decades, you can see that. Many policymakers have actually made mistakes by ignoring the the whole process of the cycle, and they say, okay, we have a dropping of the inflation right now, so okay, let let us pump、uh, you know money into the economy. Let's just inject liquidity into it, and you will have a strong economy in probably next six months. But for the whole period of the cycle, which is like seven or eight years, you will result in super inflation after that. So if you don't have a long term view, which is you know、uh, as we said in the policy. Paper across the cycle.、Uh, if if you don't have this long term view, then many of your policies will be considered as very effective in next six to ten months. But if you look at five years, you will see very bad results. So this is what this paper is actually talking about. We want long term views to go through all these cycles that will last for years.、Mm-hmm. And the meeting also said that work should be done to increase the domestic demand and create an environment where consumption and investment promote each other. So, how do you interpret that goal? 
Well, China has actually put a lot of emphasis on the uh, consumption and environment protection. You can see all these changes that has happened in the past decade. I mean, if you live in Beijing, like I have been doing, the air conditioning right now is much better compared with the decade of, uh, which was 2013, uh, when I was still working here at that time. So the air quality is much better. So this is a very small part of the whole picture that you can see the environment has been protected uh, from the river. Uh, from the forest, from the air, all these kind of things. And the consumption has also been uh, emphasized by the government, also by the economy, and every businessman has actually recognized that, that the consumption growth will be the vital part of the Chinese economic growth in the next decade. Because if you look at the percentage of the consumption economy taking in the whole Chinese economy right now, its percentage is actually lower when you compare this with North America, Western Europe, for Japan, these countries. So that actually means that China has got a pretty large room to increase its consumption. So if we look forward to uh, the level where China's per capita GDP increases from the current standard of 13,000 USD to around 20 to 30,000 USD, maybe in the next one or two decades, then we will see an even larger percentage growth of the consumption. And do you think some supportive policies will be needed to unleash the full consumption power of the Chinese market? Well, there has been all sorts of policies trying to help the growth of the consumption. And you can see that uh, people might understand that if you want to stimulate the consumption, just to give people the money and they will consume. That's actually a very simple understanding. Yeah, I mean, giving people money and uh, sp- uh, sending out consumption coupons is one way to help the consumption. But you can see the policy at many other areas. For example, the policy aims at uh, supporting the private economy, the private-owned companies, is a very important uh, thing for uh, supporting the consumption. So that's one area that we're wanting to talk about. Um, and another area would be a very indirect way of helping the consumption is that increasing the pension and the medical insurance you know, the social insurance that's covering all the medical costs uh, enables people to consume more. Uh, there's one more area which is, you know, uh, very uh, far away from the consumption, but it does help the consumption, is that by reducing the burden of education, that means uh, people will have less money be, uh, spending on their children's education, uh, examination, preparation, all these kind of things, and they will have more money to spend for their children's consumption. So that's also another uh, area of the policy. So if you read all these policies, you have tens or hundreds of them. Mm. And recent forecasts from the multiple uh, international institutions, including the World Bank, the IMF, and the OECD, they all show that China can achieve its growth target of around 5% this year. So how do you view that? And why are they optimistic about China's economy? Well, I think 5% this year is a very difficult task. I mean, it has been achieved in the first three quarters. So that's actually quite amazing. You have to consider a few things that has been dragging the Chinese economic growth downward this year. One thing is the cooling of the real estate market. We don't want a real estate uh, crash down like what happened in 1989 in Japan or 2008 in the United States. That's too much a shock to the economy. So we don't want that. We want a cool down of the real estate market over years. And that's actually putting some pressure on the economy. But there's one other more things, for example, the international trade. The global trade has been actually cooling down this year. If you look at the trading data of all the exporting uh, countries, um, you know, Vietnam, South Korea, you can see the export has been actually pretty weak. So that's also put a lot of pressure on the Chinese economy. And put all these things all together. And if you remember that the first quarter, uh, you know, the first three months of this year has actually um, been the period just past the Pandemic. So the economic recovery was not that strong as that three months or even three to five months. So when with all these conditions taken together, we still see the Chinese economic growth reached five percent in the first three quarters. So that's actually quite amazing. It, it tells you how strong the potential of this economy actually is. So if you take all these conditions away, you might see a much higher speed probably next year. Chen Jiahe, Chief Investment Officer with Novum Aki Technologies, talking to my colleague Zhao Yang. More to come. Hong Kong has held its first district council election since the restructuring of the council's system. You are listening to World Today. For more, you can follow us on X at CGTN Radio. 
We'll be back after a short break. Welcome back. You're listening to World Today. I'm Ding Hanin, Beijing. The Chinese central government has congratulated Hong Kong on the successful holding of a new district council election. The Hong Kong and Macau Affairs Office of the State Council says the Sunday election is a milestone in the improvement of local governance. This was the first district council election since the restructuring of the council's system. A total of 1.19 million Hong Kong residents have cast their votes. Hong Kong has adopted a series of measures to reform its electoral system under "quote-unquote" patriots governing Hong Kong, a key spirit under the national security law passed in 2020. The district council in the city primarily handle municipal matters like bus routes and street cleaning. So joining us now on the line is Professor Cui Hongjian from the Academy of Regional and Global Governance, Beijing Foreign Studies University. Thank you very much for joining us. Hi. So, Professor Cui, why do you think, from Beijing's perspective,、uh, to say the least, this election is a key milestone in terms of improving the local governance in the city? Also, you know, this election、uh, happened just uh, uh, before we.、Uh, Uh, you know, reform of the、uh, electoral system in Hong Kong, especially the first practice of this、uh, new system, and also, as we know,、uh, this、uh, election with a focus of、uh, local governance. So certainly,、uh, to have a smooth and a successful election would be very important for the local governance in Hong Kong.、Uh, as we know,、uh, once there are some more、uh, Hong Kong people understand、uh, the real. Meaning of the、uh, local governance, I think that、uh, this election would be the first step. Also, you know,、uh, according to the Beijing's perspective, the patriot、uh, governing Hong Kong would be a, you know, systemic,、uh, you know, project. The first step would be a very good,、uh, you know, governance for the uh, local uh, district. So I think it's um, uh, once there are some. Uh, more progress on the、uh, not only the election and also after election,、uh, once there's a good situation for the local governance, I think it shows some more successful,、uh, you know, the other part of the electoral,、uh, uh, you know, system mm. reform. Mm. So we understand the turnout in this particular Sunday election is about twenty-seven point five percent. Uh, Western media outlets, when they are covering, when they were covering this event, they almost unanimously described this turnout rate as a historic low, etc., etc., seeing it as a sign that Hong Kong voters have steered clear of a patriots-only election. But in your analysis, was that really the case? We can find the、uh, maybe two uh, uh, conclusions from this、uh, situation, especially so、uh, a little bit lower. I mean, turnout of the election. One、mm-hmm. of them is so far still、uh, a lot of the、uh, some of the、uh, Hong Kong people they don't have a clear understanding about the、uh, reform of the、uh, election, and、uh, they maybe they have the you know they failing to wait and see. Because anyway, as we know, it's a, just a, a new、uh, system, and it needs some more time to,、uh, you know,、uh, test and also to、uh, get its own attractiveness from uh, uh, average people. Another, I think, a conclusion would be that so far still there are some people、uh, in Hong Kong they are not familiar with this、uh, reform.、Uh, perhaps, as we know,、uh, still there are some people they. Didn't they don't agree with the、uh, patriot、uh, government Hong Kong、mm. uh, uh, sentiment? So I think it will take some more time. So that's the reason why the first election、uh, and its result is so important because、uh, the governance,、uh, especially uh, for the uh, further, would be a very very important evidence 
to help the most of the Hong Kong people to understand and also to believe in this uh, new system. Hmm. So, by the way, because、uh, we know elections in Hong Kong is not a new thing, so how would you describe those elections in the city, including those for the city's legislature as well as, as we're talking about today, district councils? Before this adoption of this principle, patriots governing Hong Kong. As we know,、uh, before for this、uh, local election in Hong Kong, I think it it it, it was full of the uh, some uh, uh, you know environment or atmosphere of uh, politics,、mm. and uh, those uh, candidates they do have、uh, I think over competition, especially on some、uh, political issues. But as we know,、uh, according to the One country, two system.、Uh, the Hong Kong, especially local governors, it should be、uh, focusing on governance, not so-called democratic,、uh, you know, disagreement and so on. So I think the、uh, comparing with the、uh, previous election, we can find out this time for this uh, local uh, election uh, candidates they focused on, you know, how to promote the.、Uh, A community,、uh, I mean, governance, and how to,、uh, you know, provide more service for the local people. I think now it's right away for the local governance, especially in Hong Kong.、Hmm. So, in what aspects do you think this patriots governing Hong Kong principle might help safeguard or even might help enhance this one country, two systems? Firstly, as we understand、uh, what's the one country two system, I think the one country would be a precondition for the two systems. So once the uh, uh, especially the、uh, local governance in Hong Kong, they need to、uh, be loyal to the one country, which means that the patriot、uh, govern, and then、uh, they could you know provide some more、uh, better service to the lo-、uh, local people. But of course, I think that、uh, even at the same time.、Uh, To pay more attention on governance, not so、uh, called the dem-、uh, democracy. I think it would be a、uh, you know right way for Hong Kong because as we know,、uh, once there are some more、uh, better or progressive governance on local、uh, governance level, certainly there will be some more support to this uh, uh, you know two system and also then to contribute more to a one country. So I think it's a very logic system. To understand what's the relations between one country and two system, and also relations between uh, the uh, governance and、uh, democracy.、Mm. Thank you very much for joining us. That was Dr. Cui Hongjian from the Academy of Regional and Global Governance, Beijing Foreign Studies University. You are listening to World Today. Stay tuned. Hello, I am Dr. Digby James Ren, a political analyst and international relations scholar specializing in China area studies. World Today offers unmatched in-depth perspectives on China's politics, economics, business, technology, and society. World Today's team of reporters and contributors provides valuable information from all of the world's major economies. I hope you can join me on World Today for the very best insights and news from China, on China, and help to build a better understanding of China's role in the world today. You are listening to World Today. I'm Ding Han in Beijing. Egyptians are heading to the polls in a presidential election overshadowed by the war in neighboring Gaza. Still, the economy is at the center of voters' concern as inflation in the country has hovered around nearly 40% for some period of time after the country's currency lost half of its value. The election will take place until Tuesday. And the results are expected a week later. So joining us now on the line is Dr. He Wenping, Africa expert and a senior research fellow with the Chinese Academy of Social Sciences. Thank you very much for joining us, Professor He. Hello. Yes.、Yeah, thank you for having me. So it is largely expected that Egyptian President Abdel Fattah El Sisi will win a third term this time around. While a president El Sisi might be criticized by some people, by certain people, for a so-called you know authoritarian rule, he is actually not without supporters who 
credit him with engineering a return to calm and stability after you know the post twenty、uh, eleven chaos in the country. And actually, according to a story written by CNN, some Egyptian average people, of course, they complain about the ongoing economic hardship, but at the same time. They say they feel a sense of security under Sisi's rule. So, what is your take? What is your observation, Professor He? Hmm. Okay, I think、uh, it's quite、uh, rational、uh, to have this kind of、uh, two conflicting,、uh, you know, perspective. Actually, before the pandemic, I also traveled to Egypt at least、uh, three or three or four times.、Uh, all all、uh, taken place after、uh, this so-called、uh, uh, Arabic Spring. So when CC already, of of course, already in power. So I also personally, I heard this kind of two opinions、uh, from my contact there.、Uh, so I think it's very normal、uh, uh, to have this kind of a, a view because, of course, it's very obvious. You see now Egypt enjoys a very uh, a good security and also stability、uh, before they have been, you know,、uh, come across,、uh, gone through.、Uh, You know the revolution, and then、uh, Mubarak down, and then、uh, Muslim Brotherhood,、uh, you know, in the power, and then the mercy of the leader of the Muslim Brotherhood, and then down. So you know, up and down, up and down. So a lot of、uh, chaos happening,、uh, social this uh, uh, instability, but eventually it becomes stable. And also the、uh, Muslim Brotherhood, and together like uh, also have uh, uh, this uh, ISIS. Even ISIS also set up their base、uh, in the Sinai Peninsula.、Mm. Also made a lot of trouble there.、Uh, some terrorist attack. So that was quite,、uh, you know,、uh, worrisome for the people.、Uh, but now in the recent years, we haven't heard that much.、Uh, saying, oh, there's a Muslim,、uh, like a, a, a either Muslim Brotherhood or uh, other, uh, like uh, ISIS,、uh, make、uh, some trouble in this social stability. So which means now people enjoy. Are、uh, those、uh, secure? But uh, economically, uh, those complaints also prove the truth.、Uh, now the inflation rate is very high.、Uh, even one egg、uh, now costs,、uh, you know, maybe thirty pounds,、uh, Egyptian pounds. Now for the ordinary people's life, now it's getting tough. Yeah, very tough.、Uh, some people say now it's moving from the bad to the worst.、Uh, this is also the situation now.、Uh, mm. You see the currency now is.、Uh, uh, Cut the half value、yeah. uh, compared with years ago. Yeah. yeah, both right. I think those same. Okay, so for whoever that will win this latest election, we are talking about here. Do you think there is a good policy solution to the economic woes faced by 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 Egypt right now? Well,、uh, it is so、uh, widely said that、uh, President Sisi, now the sitting president, well, no doubt. Uh, to get uh, his uh, third term,、uh, I think which is a good thing,、uh, by the way,、uh, mm. for the Egyptian society because、uh, President Sisi already unveiled、uh, his economic reform ever since 2016, and then a lot of good things have been、uh, made, like new capital city, like、uh, Swiss Tunnel has been now uh, double, uh, you know,、uh, mm, extension, two, yeah, yeah, two ways for the transportation and、uh, a lot of things, industrial park. Also has been built、uh, for quite a lot, and and also China Belt and Road, uh, this uh, BRI, uh, this joint construction project with Egypt. Also, it's on the rise. Even recently, I heard uh, this, uh, like a satellite thing, uh, you know, together with Egypt, and now joined to do the space, uh, this space industry together with China. So, uh, but you, uh, you 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 need to take time, uh, for uh, next term. I think、uh, also fully depend on how is the international economic situation,、uh, because、uh, Egypt has been、uh, heavily influenced, like by the Ukraine crisis,、uh, by this、uh, like、uh, oil price and also the international this、uh, food、uh, you know food prices market. So、mm. if、uh, international economic situation yeah、uh, is still remain、uh, that turbulence, so、uh, he will face a lot of challenges、uh, lying ahead.
Hmm. So, by the way, Professor He, as an outside observer, would you blame CC's economic reform agenda from 2016 onwards for the country's current economic challenges? Because obviously, that's that's a narrative from some Western press. Well, ah,、uh, yeah, I'm an outside observer and also traveled a, a number of times. I I also followed the situation to development in Egypt. Uh, I think, to my understanding, we cannot、uh, say all those reform、uh, started from 2016 now is ended up in failure. I think it's not fair.、Uh, why? Because、uh, even the IMF, International Monetary Fund,、uh, they have been doing this,、uh, you know, several times since the evaluation. Because all those money、uh, they promised to、uh, help the Egypt, like total is.、Uh, Twelve、uh, billion dollar is not being、uh, offered to them uh, just uh, immediately. So they will, you know,、uh, for one bunch and then follow another time,、uh, all based on those evaluation、uh, from all those expertise. So based on those evaluation, if an IMF、uh, by the year like 2016, uh, 2000, from 2016 to 2019, so they are saying、uh, Egypt has been doing a very good job,、uh, like uh, make this.、Uh, Economic uh, environment uh, generally,、uh, the situation has been improved, and economically,、uh, uh, you know, very stable.、Uh, job creation becoming recovered, and the GDP growth, and、uh, even public debt now is getting down. So this is the you know from 2016 to 2019, all those judgments、uh, given to this、uh, reform. But you know, suddenly 2020. Uh, internationally, this COVID nineteen、yeah. uh, took place, and then、uh, we see another is this uh, uh, Ukraine crisis. So Egypt, they also suffered a lot, like from the travel,、uh, like the pyramid. A lot of people, even Chinese people, would like to go to Egypt、uh, to have a tour. A、uh, lot of、uh, international world heritage are there, but they all suffered.、Uh, no income now, almost. So this is uh, uh, unexpected. Uh, this uh, you know、uh, a big shock from、mm. COVID nineteen.、Mm. Of course, I mean when we talk about some of the regional situation over there,、uh, both historically and now, of course, Cairo has always been playing a very significant、uh, mediating role in terms of seeking solutions to the、uh, to the conflict between the Palestinians and Israelis. So. With that in mind, how do you think this ongoing crisis in the Gaza Strip might have an impact on the domestic as well as international support for President Al Sisi? Oh yes,、uh, Egypt has been、uh, always playing a very important role、uh, for Palestine-Israel issue, and even to the you know all those issues in the Middle East at large,、uh, because Egypt uh, uh, is a very big. Country, very important country uh, in the uh, North Africa, Africa continent, and as well as in the Arabic、uh, world, and also in the Middle East,、uh, especially in the Gaza issue, because the three uh, those uh, out uh, uh, exist uh, outlets have been in, in, in the hand in the Israel. Only one、uh, exists now. This is in the hands of、uh, Egypt. So that is why when Israel made、uh, this very Uh, you know, very tough. Uh, this uh, attack on Gaza and、um, push the people from the north of Gaza all the way to the south of Gaza. At the very beginning, even there is a saying: "Ah,、uh, the Israel, even Israel,、uh, they want、uh, Egypt、uh, to host all those refugees.、Uh, they are fleeing、uh, from uh, Gaza." Uh, but you know that is why uh, uh, internationally, uh, some uh, opinion even、uh, criticize Egypt. Uh, even goes to the President Sisi、uh, in person, saying、uh, this is a wrongdoing.、Uh, Egypt now turns,、uh, you know, blind ear and、uh, you know, blind eyes、uh, to those suffering of、uh, Gaza people.、Uh, but domestically, I also、uh, heard another kind of voice. People also some are saying criticize, some are saying、uh, President Sisi did a very good thing、uh, because the Egyptians' the interests should be, you know, a、uh, uh, priority concern. Uh, cannot uh, sacrifice uh, Egyptians' interests、uh, to meet uh, the interests uh, of uh, like uh, a Palestinian, and、uh, this is the opinion. I even personally heard、uh, from the Egyptian the general, a military、mm. general,、uh, in Shangshan Forum.、Uh, I was hosting 
uh, panel. Yeah, yeah okay. they were there. So there are always different conflicting uh, those voice. But given uh, if Egyptians pri- uh, the interest as the priority, uh, I think the history will make a right judgment mm-hmm. uh, for President Sisi. Okay. Thank you, as always, for joining us. That was Dr. He Wenping, Africa expert and a senior research fellow with the Chinese Academy of Social Sciences. You are listening to World Today. Stay tuned. In the United States, nearly half voters think that their government is spending too much on aid for Ukraine. This is according to a new poll jointly conducted by the Financial Times and the Business School of the University of Michigan. Opposition is particularly pronounced among the Republicans, with some 65% of the surveyed Republicans saying that the United States was spending too much on Ukraine. The finding is coming as President Joe Biden struggles to get a divided U.S. Congress into approving a security spending package, which would include some 60 billion U.S. dollars for Kiev. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky is due to pay a trip to Washington D.C. on Tuesday for a meeting with Biden. So joining us now on the line is Dr. Edward Lehman, managing director of Lehman Lee and Shi Law Firm. Welcome back. Good to be here.、Thank、so,、you. more specifically, we are talking about somewhere around forty-eight percent of the surveyed Americans who think that their government is just spending too much on Ukraine. Any surprise when you saw this particular poll? Well, you know, it's not too surprising to see the American public divided、uh, in opinion. I mean, certainly, that's roughly the same、uh, kind of number that we have,、uh, you know, between Republicans and Democrats. I think that there's about a three percent swing where people are undecided. So, a divided opinion on government spending, especially when it comes to international aid, is is absolutely not a surprise. I mean, different in- individuals may prioritize domestic issues. And、uh, a lot have varying views on the government's role in providing aid to other countries at all. Saying, "Hey, we've got enough problems in the United States. What, what's this?"、Uh, most Americans, I think, there's been other information and other polls before, can't even locate Ukraine on a map, let alone、uh, support the idea of the government、uh, spending money to defend this country in some way, shape, or form. Mm. So, do you think this perceived skepticism or even、uh, perceived backlash in the U.S. public sentiment、uh, will somehow, in one way or another, prompt the Biden administration to reevaluate its policy regarding the Ukraine crisis? You know, it's、uh, it's difficult to say that that they will rethink based on a. Public opinion poll. I mean that it isn't publicly popular. Of course, we're we're entering now into the election cycle, so that's going to going to definitely play into the thought process with regards to the decision making、uh, policies coming out of the White House. But、um, you know, it appears that you know the the White House and sometimes public opinion has a, have a differing opinion as to as to what a priority is and.、Um, I'm I'm not convinced entirely that、uh, that the White House is going to change course just because of the the, the public opinion is not 100 or even 50 behind、uh, what's happening with、uh, with Ukraine. I mean, Mr. Zaryzelsky is、uh, Zelensky. I'm sorry, has,、mm. has come to the United States before and sought.、Um, Sought aid and actually addressed both houses,、uh, the, the、yeah. Congress, together, and so、uh, this is not this is not unusual. And there's been an outpouring on, on both sides of the aisles, actually, for support of Ukraine. I'm not sure always for the right、uh, reason, but、um, but somehow it, it worked out that, that aid was given by Congress, and and I, I suspect it probably will happen again. Hmm. So, as we talked about earlier, this、uh, skeptical sentiment is particularly higher among the Republicans. So, with that in mind, how do you think this,、uh, you know, assistance or military for military aid for Ukraine issue might have an impact、uh, for the twenty twenty four presidential race? 
Yeah, I mean, there there is definitely more skepticism among Republicans, uh, and it can be attributed to several several factors and that may or may not weigh into the 2024 election cycle. I mean, um, traditionally, Republicans have emphasized kind of a fiscal conservatism and prioritized, of course, domestic issues over international issues, typically. I mean, uh, additionally, there's you know been many differences in foreign policy ideologies between the Republicans and the Democrats influencing their views on international aid. Um, you know, will does will this, of course, play a part in the 2024 election? I, I think that it will. I think there's, there's a certain uh, part of the Republican Party that, you know, wants to be make America first, of course, and put uh, international issues in isolate in isolation and become isolationist. And and I think it's very attractive to a certain segment of the Republican Party. So um, the question is whether this will get support. And I mean, traditionally, the Republicans have also been um, have mm-hmm. been very pro military and, and pro uh, spending money on military just in general. And so. Uh, you know, as Eisenhower said, be wary of the industrial military complex. And I think that a lot there's a, an attraction to to spend money on military, um, and but both sides are being uh, supported in the 2024 election by uh, the industrial military complex, and as a result, it probably will get some some traction. Hmm. So we still have like uh, one minute and a half before we need to wrap up today's discussion with you. So if we talk about this um, security spending package that President Biden is trying to get passed by the Congress, um, actually as part of an effort to cater to Republicans, Republican lawmakers, the White House has actually proposed billions of dollars to try to shore up or beef up the security at the U.S.-Mexico border because that was a demand by the Republican side for sure. So do you think this particular package is standing any chance to be passed eventually? Well, I mean, there that was what, uh, what Mr. Trump had supported, obviously, and was building a wall. I mean, the passage of a security uh, spending package is, is kind of uncertain. And it depends on political dynamics, negotiations, and the evolving circumstances, of course. Now, that, that's been an about phase, what you just talked about, which is putting together a security package for uh, the Mexico-U.S. border. Um, you know, this, this is something that's just come on with, with the White House. That probably, in from what we've seen statistically, people passing or crossing the border in the south in the United States has, you know, been dramatically increased under the Biden administration. Um, the proposal to allocate funds for border security is certainly popular with the Republicans. It was popular with Mr. Trump, one of the underpinnings of his uh, election. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it's a particular appeal to the Republicans. It introduces complexities into the legislative par- process yeah. exactly about how they're going to be spending that money. So that's that's where the the devil yeah. is in the details yeah. with regard to that. Thank you very much. That was Dr. Lehman joining us from uh, Lehman Lee and Shi Law Firm. That's all the time for this edition of World Today. I'm Ding Han in Beijing. Thank you so much for listening. Bye for now.